You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 250, Stabbing Westward. Hosted by Dan Terry. Except they're talking about me. Jeff Kane. Dirtying it up so much that you can't tell. And Joseph Wren. It's Kidney Thieves, dude. Of course I loved it. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you find yourself stabbing westward because the sun is in your eyes, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. Industrial December 2021. It's happening. It might be the last time it's happening. We, we haven't we haven't decided yet. We're just going to... I mean, we got we got like 12 months to decide, so not not like yeah the top of my docket list i i uh i am a proponent of keeping it but that's just me because i like industrial music so the problem with industrial music that i've started to discover over time is that like you've got um you've got these bands either have like 400 albums that all sound the same kmfm <laughs> uh, or or you've got bands that start off really, really great and then just start to suck, you know, like Stabbing Westward. Or they start off kind of rough and then they get good. And we might be doing one of those later. We'll, <laughs> talk. we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I thought the early records were good, Jeff. They kind of sounded like that other band we like. What's it called? Oh, yeah, that's right. Filter. Maybe some Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. Oh, man. I, I would... Some God Loves Underwater. I mean, it's... I'll tell you what, there is some stuff that's on Ungod and God Loves Underwater's Empty, and you're like, okay, who who wrote your guys' samples? Because they're the same fucking thing. <laughs> they they must have bought them all on like a CD-ROM that you get from Walmart, <laughs> you know, like they were on, well, no, all on the disc. early 90s, so floppy disk, yeah. Oh, Several no, no, floppy no. disks. Zip drive. No, this no is zip, drive zip drive was still later, yeah. The zip drive was trying to compete with the CD. Yeah, the LS we how that went. You remember those? It lasted about <laughs> as long as it lasted about as long as HD DVD. <laughs> because the battle is going to be what color the light is, right? Somebody called up Trent Reznor and said, "Trent, I want to be a successful rock band in the '90s, but I don't want to sound like all those '80s bands. What do I have to do?" And Trent said, "Oh God, that's a good song title." <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. That's really, really rough. Yeah, you know, the funny, the interesting thing with like Stabbing Westward, you know, is they started just as early as Trent Reznor did. I mean, it was 1985 that Stabbing Westward started. I mean, they, they honestly are Nine Inch Nails contemporaries as far as like when they started. You can tell, though, that at some point, uh, Nine Inch Nails pulled away. You know, they're way ahead of everybody else. And uh, they set the standard. And uh, it, you really do, especially on On God, you get, oh, yeah, we need to sound like them. We'll be good if we sound like them. <laughs> I mean, On God is nothing but a bunch of ripoffs. I get a lot of shit for comparing industrial bands to Nine Inch Nails, but there's a reason that band is the standard most people have. This band is going to be another example of you really can compare it to the greatness that is Nine Inch Nails. But where Nine Inch Nails makes it unique this band just can't get there i like listening to it but it just doesn't hold the same weight that some of the other well-known industrial bands hold for me okay well i will strongly strongly disagree with you on that uh stabbing westward uh they they have filet mignon stuck in a crap sandwich because their first album and the last album i don't think are very good but I think Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel and Darkest Days are fucking phenomenal. First of all, I'm not going to eat that sandwich. <laughs> I don't, I don't you're going to throw the, you, you're gonna throw the bread away, which is what I did. No, the bread already made contact with the supposedly good meat. Therefore, I'm not going to. No, I'm not doing that. As wow, I eat so a McDonald's I might... cheeseburger, there's, there, there's fecal matter inside the <laughs> processed meat. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I might, I might be on Jeff Island today. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. I mean... I, I overall like stabbing westward. It's weird. It feels like we're doing this episode in reverse. Like, but um, <laughs> no, I mean I really really like the band overall. 
but the lack of originality in some places is very, very obvious. And that can be hard to stomach. Um, thankfully, the discography was 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 thank was short, you know, so I, I didn't feel like I was completely overwhelmed. It's not like somebody just gave me something that I didn't like and then made me listen to twelve albums of it and then berated me for an hour about why it wasn't why it was actually good. Um, oh wait, Keckle, huh? Right. I see where you're going. Um, <laughs> still love Keckle, um, but I yeah. Still don't. Somebody told me the other night that it may, may the pronunciation may actually be cacao. 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 Yeah, and I was like, cool. I'm so just now it's just keep, bird shit instead of shit. Okay. I'm just gonna keep you. calling it keckle. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with that. Um, that that's the way it worked for me. But no, I think stabbing westward was cool. But like, I have to admit that their sound it wasn't unique enough overall for me. And I, I always know I can always tell that whenever I'm listening to an album. And I hear a song that I've heard tons of times on the radio and just assumed that it was a filter song or assumed that it was a gravity kill song or assumed that it was a, you know, you know, like a nine inch nail song. And so uh, I had a couple of those moments um, going in. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into it. We got some other stuff we got to get into first. Well, before Dan kicks off Industrial December for what might be the last time, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Hey, we love our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, and I am going to just absolutely read one for you right now. This comes from Evan Merck, 18, on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. It is Merkel, but on on Apple Podcasts, it's Evan Merck, 18. Ah, gotcha. Yes, you see. you. Now you know. You are. Everybody boo on Jeff. Boo. He writes, finally, it feels good to listen to people have in-depth discussions about some of my favorite bands from past and present. This podcast is the one I've been looking for for a long time, and I'm glad to have discovered it last year. Thank you guys for all that you do. Can't wait for that botch episode. Well, uh, Evan, I I have good news for you. We did a botch episode, and since you signed up for our Patreon recently, yes, we see every single sign up. We're watching you. And, uh, we, but we just, you know, we want to let you know that there's a botch episode that we did where we talked about all the botch albums uh, on Patreon. And you can go listen to that right now. Link in the description. But the comment that I really, really, really want to get to. <laughs> oh, God. By anyone on the Discord server. And it comes from our beloved Lance, King of Metal, where he says, after listening to the episode followed by Deeper Underground and Quantum Resolution, I'm on board the Keckle train. Jeff is wrong about this one. Great episode, guys. Thank you very, very much. Those are the type of comments that we want to keep rolling on this show. Well, thankfully, this is not a monarchy. So, fuck the king. It's not a a monarchy. It's a Dan Tatership. (laughs) It's a Dan Tatership. (laughs) Okay, I'll go with that. I'd, I'd like to point out that the Brian Patton of As the Story Grows also commented saying, Jeff is not wrong. Oh, okay, no, no, fine. no. I can't, your, I can't agree. You and your buddy Brian, Brian Patton. <laughs> you, and your, you and your buddy Brian Patton just go over there and listen to some Sunday Day Real Estate records. That's fine. Fuck you yeah. guys have a great time. We will. <laughs> I'm sure you will. At least we won't be disoriented and wonder what the hell's going on like we do in a Keckle episode. Just don't talk about Under Oath with him. He gets, he gets a little, Under gets a little fiery. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. There, end of story. They were good, now they suck. Let's put it this way. You agree with the guy that thinks that Erase Me is the best Under Oath album? Wow. All right, that's enough Brian bashing. We love you, Brian Patton. (laughs) He'll he'll be back. He'll be back to defend his crown. We know he will. Yes, he will. I would also like to take a moment out to shout out our beloved patrons, all of the wonderful people that pay the bills of the podcast every month, and that includes Evan Merkel, Lost Fiction, Kyle Driver, Timu, Dangerous Dave, Ryan Rowe, Richard Renz, Big T, Big T, Brandon Miranda, Ken Zappla, Tantalized Fungins, Best Name Ever, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, David Brown, 
Samuel Woodward, Brian the Dean. No, not that Dean. It's me, comma, brave. Lance Alligood, the king of metal. Alexander, Patrick Asplund, and Jeffrey De Los Santos. The actual Mac. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It blows my mind how this list grows and grows uh, over time. It's weird. I don't water it. Uh, I don't give it miracle grow. The list just continues to grow. Maybe I should give it some Rogaine. Then it'll really start growing. Um, but yeah, I, I just I can't uh, I can't put into words how thankful I am to have you guys on our team and um, every all the feedback, all the messages, everything that you guys send out and interact with us every day means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to Joe and Jeff as well. So thank you very very much. Oh, Dan is actually sweet. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. So, Dan, tell me about Stabbing Westward. Stabbing Westward is an American industrial rock band. I know, rock band. What do you mean? It's supposed to be metal. It's a metal podcast. If you look at the description of the podcast, it does say that we talk about all bands from uh, hard rock to heavy metal. So this does count. It's uh, And it, it's in that uh, everything in between category. And since it's December, industrial counts as well. These guys started as far back as 1985, which explains a little bit of the new wave uh, influence that all of these industrial bands seem to have. And uh, they actually come from Macomb, Illinois, which is not that far away from where we are. Hey, guys. <laughs> we just like, you know, wave across the river, right? Hello. Yeah, I say we could throw an ear of corn at them from here. We probably could. And then they you know, would probably we're, just we're get in the red, redneck Midwest. Stabbing Westward is one of those bands that kind of came from that early early 90s sort of industrial scene including bands like obviously Nine Inch Nails um, and I almost said Stabbing Westward but we're talking about Stabbing Westward <laughs> uh, Gravity Gravity Kills uh, Underwater God Lives Underwater Filter you know yeah Filter all of all of those bands the basically the bands that sound like grungy rock bands with like a bunch of loops and keyboards and like some weird affinity for new wave uh and for whatever reason all of these bands ended up being called new metal before the end uh which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but that i guess people just felt like that was the only place that they could put them uh but in the early 90s we didn't call it that i don't even think we called it industrial rock we were just like man did you check out that sweet alternative band that i listened to last <laughs> week no i definitely called it industrial just but i was big into that kind of stuff like that was like if it wasn't sunday Day real estate or better than ezra when i was a teenager uh a huge chunk of it was industrial so this this is a uh, genre that's near and dear to the heart for me there was a time where the battle lines of what was industrial what was alternative what was metal were very much blurred in the 90s and i don't think that's a bad thing because for the most part, everything kind of blended together in a way that you could at least listen to it and enjoy what you were hearing on the radio. It gave you something to go seek those bands out and everybody kind of played well together. But Stabbing Westward was one of those bands that put out the singles, especially on Darkest Days. But where this band started nine years after their debut was in 1994 with Ungod. Ungod. I'm just going to say it up front. This was my least favorite album <laughs> by yeah, this band. No, it might, no, it might be, I no, can't no, say that. Not. I can't say that. There's one that's coming. Yeah, uh, but, but it's it's close to it's closer to the ungodly bad than the ungodly good. It's not bad. I, I think that that's the thing about Ungod for me is that I like the atmosphere of the record for the most part. It's got like it's got this like industrial, almost goth sort of sort of sound to it. Like very not goth as in like, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about like <laughs> we're vampires, you know, <laughs> like like that sort of thing. Uh, more uh, more of just like very Bauhaus. kind of depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, just just down and out. And there are actual like I said, there are little little bits of new wave in here, which Maybe it's not even worth pointing out. Maybe that's just part of the industrial rock thing. Well, no, no, I, I think it's a fair point because in the 80s and 90s, most of the, you know, the, that goth actually kind of had a, you know, was this, was the darker, seedier underbelly of New Wave. So I totally get it. And I strong, yeah, I, I strongly recommend listening to it, actually. I mean, I, but then again, that's the music that I love and what I grew up on. You know, as a kid, it was 
how do I get away from my, my, my dad's country and my mom's disco? And, uh, that's where a lot of the, the, the Gotham and the new wave came in for me through my older cousins. That that's where they, uh, they steered me in the, the correct direction. And I just view stuff like stabbing Westward and nine inch nails uh, as a natural progression, uh, of, Absolutely. That type of music. The, the the difference is is that you know stabbing westward is more of a follower, whereas four years prior, I mean Nine Inch Nails showed everybody how to do it. And it's not just stabbing westward. I I don't want them to. I don't want to come across like I'm saying they're posers because I don't think they are. But you know most industrial bands of that era, uh, they essentially just took what you know Trent Reznor did and you know wanted to hop on the gravy train. I mean, and who can blame them? I mean, shit. I mean, that type of music, you know, still resonates for me personally. Uh, it, and it's, uh, I think it's, it's super fun and it's, it's unique. And I, I love the fact that we get to, uh, to dedicate an entire month uh, to it. As long as we don't have to listen to 17 albums in a row. It definitely sounds like a more intense I don't want to say more aggressive yet, but a more intense new wave. It sounds like the follow-up to the nicer sounding records of the 80s. There is not a huge jump for fans of this to go from The Cure 10 years ago to this after hearing Pretty Hate Machine and everything else that was being played on the radio in the 90s, even into the real alternative that was heavily influenced by Europop. This is a good middle ground for what you're going to hear for the next five years before new metal starts to sneak its way in. You're going to have these really solid drum loops that remind you of those bands that you heard in the 80s, but the dude is kind of yelling at the top of his range. I heard Trent Reznor do that like five years ago. That was really cool. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, to keep in mind is, you know, I think the... Uh the seed of your underbelly, I think it started with like, uh, well, we've talked about it every year. It's just, they have so many freaking albums, but I don't know how we could ever do uh, an episode, but I I definitely have to give props to killing joke every year. Uh, It's just, they have like 20 fucking albums. So trying to do an episode (laughs) on that, we would just have killing joke December. You know what I mean? I mean, because that's just how many albums they have. Maybe that's what we do. We just make it easier. We just do one band for the entire month. Uh, you know, it might come to that, uh, you know, but them, uh, I, I think the, you know, people like New Order, uh, they kind of brought that, the, the seat, you know, that, that darker sound to the, uh, the Euro pop synth kind of stuff. You know, I, I really want to give uh, New Order some props too, because they are, are fucking visionaries. And uh, I, I, th- I, I really believe they do not get enough due. And uh, I think it's because of everything that happened with uh, Joy Division. I-, I think it's the reason why. Because a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people realize, but you know, they're they're essentially the uh, sur- surviving members of uh, Joy Division. But yeah, stuff like Stabbing Westward is just it's gravy train for me. I mean, I, I can if it's good, I listen to it all day long. It doesn't even have to be great. Seriously, just good, and I'm good all day long. It's like I am with generic metalcore, right? Like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's that's a jams fair jams, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think this record. The only real issues I have with it, like I like the opener, Lost. I think that's really strong. But as the record goes on, it, it goes on for an agonizing fifty-three minutes, and after a while, I start getting tired of the sound overall, and I feel like the album doesn't go anywhere. And I feel that way about a lot of these kind of like early '90s releases where. They're just almost so focused on darkness and like, look at th- look at how scary and down and depressed we are, mom, you know, and I think that it just kind of eventually starts to get old. It's not that I don't think that this record is insincere, especially as we go forward in their discography and we realize that like they're actually were very, very, very sincere <laughs> uh, to the point where like some, the, the records after this one made me really feel something, whereas this one. Uh, it's a good start for the band, but I couldn't see I couldn't see this band being as beloved as they are by fans of this style of music, if just on the strength of this release alone. Yeah, there was uh, there was actually uh, Joe and I were talking earlier this week. Uh, there was a particular song that both of us like found other songs that were like holy shit, like how much of a ripoff is <laughs> the, the song <laughs> of another song. 
And then we're and then I got to the point I was like, okay, well, which one ripped off which? Because uh, the song is actually it's a self-titled Ungod. Uh, one of the underlying beats in Ungod is exactly the same fucking thing in God Lives Underwater. Don't know how to be off of empty. And then I'll I'll let Joe take it from here because I know he had one too that just drove him up a wall. It's the same song, right? Yeah, but there there was one. You were saying uh, you found something from Ungod that was. Uh, it's the second half of the song where they either pay harsh tribute or blatantly nudge at terrible lie because you get that same beat going and then the song just do do da da do da da okay guys i get it you love trent reznor i do too we all love trent reznor way to pay tribute five years after the fact your record still slams i wonder if they did it for the djs i wonder if they blatantly did it just to make room for the guy that was going to remix this record in the club. Yeah, like, let's match up our BPMs and <laughs> just go with it. Guys, this is how pit- we're going to get played. Yeah, yeah, we don't even have to pitch shift it. We, I mean, you, you just go straight into the, the BPM is exactly the same. You can just transition. Super easy. <laughs> wow, I wonder if that's exactly what they did. If you think about it, one man's ungod is one man's terrible lie. And then it's another uh, guy's uh, don't know how to be. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I think it's time for 1996 Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel. Is this like Touch Peel Stained? Just asking for a friend. I'm not going to answer touch that. Peel stained? No, it's not. But uh, I'm a big Travis fan. I'll tell you that. So I think he's a hell of a, an artist, too. If we ever get to that album or ever get to his band, I'm there. No, no. Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel is like one of my meccas. I mean, I, I love this album. It's dark as fuck. It's catchy as fuck. Just don't listen to the lyrics. I mean, it, it you'll kill yourself if you or somebody else or everybody <laughs> and yourself if you listen to the fucking lyrics, because good Lord. I mean, it's just crazy shit. I thought there was a theme going for a while because the first track as I don't believe. Shouldn't that be on Ungod? Just asking once again. Is the well, shit just running you know, out of order here? I mean, yeah, the lyrics on this one are really um, where it starts to kick up for me. This is some of the most, you know how like we, we always talk about how we love bands that are super honest all the time. This is honest in a way that's not necessarily great for the listener. Because uh, I remember like I did, I used to have friends in high school that like only listen to Stabbing Westward and they just were never in a good mood, right? Like, like just never, um, never really like would never smile about anything. And this album, you know, like Ungod, I felt like was just kind of like, kind of like cheesier, just like industrial rock stuff that you kind of would expect. Um, Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel is where everything starts taking a very dark turn thematically. But musically, the improvement is there. So it's like a catch-22 because like, it's a fantastic record, like from beginning to end. I can I, I listened to it a few times over and over again in my listening just because I was like, I actually like really enjoyed this um, as long as I wasn't paying attention to what he was saying, which everybody who knows me knows that that's really hard. Uh, in Darkest Days, <laughs> it gets worse. Um, uh, yeah. You know, but yeah, I this is where they start sounding like a band that can write a hit single um, without the without the cheese that you would normally get from a band writing a hit single like we talked about Filter a while back, and I remember thinking, like, you know, Filter, it was, like, very obvious when they switched from this style to, like, a more commercial sound. It's always funny with Filter because they would release a really, really beautiful, like, hit single, and then, like, a, one song after that, it'd be, like, back to, like, dark and heavy and, you know, and awesome. Um, whereas with Stabbing Westward on this record, they are, they, they've combined kind of, like, they've taken what they did on Ungod, They've uh they've done a better job of not making it look like they directly copied their homework, <laughs> and um they produced a record that actually like has very listenable songs and just kind of a more inviting atmosphere, I guess, so to speak. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm kind of out of my league here, but like I just I enjoyed the songs on this one more than I enjoyed the songs on the last record. Is the, the most basic way of saying it. This is my favorite record by this band. I don't think it's the best album by this band, but this was like polar similar to me. It's one of those, the vibe is perfect. The songs are perfect for the vibe. So when you put the whole thing together, yeah, it's an overwhelming negative feeling. 
but it's the perfect balance of that dark industrial sound that comes from new wave mixing with the i just don't want whatever is happening around me to be happening right now feeling that all the music in the 90s had take your 80s to the extreme you're not going to have a good day listening to this record and i think it works for that reason take your 80s to the extreme Porno Graffiti 2. No. Touche, sir. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this. One, one thing, uh, you know, we've talked about the, the sound. They have, like, one hell of a producer, you know, helping with these records. John Fryer is just, like, obscenely prolific. And he's done two of my favorite soundtracks, uh, Seven and Clerks. And he's done a bunch of stuff with Depeche Mode. Uh, Depeche Mode, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Loving Rockets. I mean, they, the dude is really fucking amazing. And actually, one of the most underrated uh, soundtracks of all time. He was he did that too, and that was Johnny Mnemonic. So the the dude that actually produced this album is you know for me at that time is somebody that was you know oh he produced it. I got to go listen to it. It's one of those kind of things. So this was you know for stabbing westward. This is as good as it gets. I think for really for anything industrial rock that's not Nine Inch Nails, I honestly believe this is as good as it gets. I mean, that's how much praise that I give this album. I think it's that good. It is commercial, obviously, but industrial was commercial in the in the mid '90s. I mean, that's that was a big, big, big thing. So that's not surprising. I mean, everybody was trying to be the next, you know, Nine Inch Nails. You know, just like when everybody heard Kill Switch Engage, oh, we got to be like Kill Switch Engage because that's that's making money. I mean, this is the sound in the mid '90s. If it wasn't grunge, that was making money. Uh, so I give him props. I mean, I think it's phenomenal, and it's for industrial music. It's in my top ten, uh, not my all-time top ten, but for industrial music, it is 100% my top ten. I think this is an amazing, amazing, amazing album. High praise. Uh, I it like is. this. Yeah. I mean, I know you don't just hand that out uh, very often. So I think that I think with this album and Joe, I actually think that the song that you were talking about with Terrible Lie was What Do I Have to Do at the end? Uh, I stand corrected and you are correct, sir. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds I mean, they got that off the same floppy disk. I mean, it's just it's fine. That's the part of the show where you walk to the edge of the stage because you just got your Grammy and you're playing What Do I Have to Do? And you look up at Trent Reznor and he's like, yeah, I'm really into this. And then that part starts and you just point like, yeah, dude, it's all you, man. (laughs) No, no, I was going to say, I was going to, I'll take it a step further. That's whenever Trent Reznor wins his Grammy and they think they're playing in a Nine Inch Nails song, but they're actually playing a Stabbing Westward song. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like that time when, um, what was it? They Megadeth uh, went on stage to accept an award and they played Master of Puppets. Oh God, I gotta, I gotta. There's find no that. way. There's no way somebody didn't do that to be a jerk. Although Dave, Dave handled it pretty well. He went up and just goes, yeah. Or somebody asked him about it a few days later in an interview. He's like, uh, he's like, oh, it's all right. He's like, oh yeah, because it was because uh, they had like a live like um, it was like a live band like a sim- something they were playing. Um, yeah, I'll have to pull up the we'll have to pull the clip. Uh, but it's really funny. But Dave said a few days later, he's like, well, I, he's like, he's like, totally understandable. I mean, uh, I can't expect everybody to be able to play Megadeth. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's good. totally a Dave comeback, too. That's oh, so yeah. awesome. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, but, you know, yeah, with, with this album, I just, I really, uh, I liked, I've never been a big industrial guy. I think that's kind of established at this point. Um, I don't hate it. I, I'm, I'm fine with, with coexisting with it. Uh, but it's never been my big thing. And I think what attracted me to this album more was just the fact that it was more of a, almost more of an alternative rock, like alternative, like hard rock, maybe even a little bit of an uh, alternative metal sound, which I think that's what drove most of the songwriting. So you don't have as much of that blatant, like old school, like eighties sort of electronic sound. And I think that that matched better with my like nineties sensibilities at the time. Yeah, it, and you're it right. Stood it stood out for more, me in a big way. You're right. It, it has more of a, an organic analog, like dirt of the earth kind of 
feel to it. And that's actually kind of what made, you know, Nine Inch Nails stand out is that they were able to take that industrial and kind of put an organic process with it. And I think uh, Stabbing Western is one of the few that besides Nine Inch Nails that was able to make that process happen. And I think that's why they were so popular. I mean, shit, I mean, this album sold almost a million, you know, which that's, you know, for a subgenre like this, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, it's funny. It's like you like the electronic and I like stuff that's more earthy, more dirt. I was literally listening to an album called Dirt, you know, while you were listening to, <laughs> to Dirt, Alice in Chains. Yeah, yeah I'm done dude. with that. Everybody loves some dirt. Um, but yeah, and I but I liked that because like that's where I was coming from. You you come from this sort of background of like the kind of background like an old person would have, uh, which is <laughs> like eighties, you know, eighties uh, like new wave and then so like stuff that the kind of stuff that was there whenever you were kind of growing up. And like, for me, I'm just, I'm only a couple of years younger than Jeff. Um, we're both in our early seventies. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but yeah, I came from more of that, like grunge alternative rock sort of background. And so this record is obviously is going to resonate with me more because like, I'm still kind of holding on to that sort of Seattle sound where like the more it's, the more it sounds like a band's playing in a moldy basement somewhere like the better, which is why I listen to black metal now, like later on in life. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. And, and that's, it, it does do a good job of kind of blending all of that together. And that, I think that's also where you kind of have to give John Fryer his pop, his props, because I think he was a super important part of the process. 1998 darkest days dude not my darkest days we're not making that joke or talking about that band on this podcast <laughs> dude dude this album remember when i said the last record was not the best record this is the best record oh i mean it depends on your perspective um this is absolutely darker and this is where the band actually started meathead comment incoming this is where the band like started to get like heavy you know what i mean like 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 really heavy like thematically um you know yeah if you guys are expecting like breakdowns i'm sorry i didn't mean to set you up for that that's not what this record is uh, but um uh, i don't know i this is like this is the kind of music i would listen to ad nauseum uh around this time like 1998 1999 um it's not new metal it gets it gets it, it has a new metal tag like people say it's like a new metal record uh but this is like this is like the darkest dankest like album that they released and probably was their most popular um overall no believe it or not uh did wither blister burn and peel do more Yep. Okay. My bad. I just, I remember this record being absolutely shoved down my throat and I, I loved it. I was like, more please. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact, uh, I think you were coming of age when this album came out. I think that might have more to do with it. Uh, whereas, uh, it, I was already out of high school and all that kind of shit when this came out. So it just didn't affect me quite the same. But the one thing I do want to say, I, more producer crap uh over wild the guy who did this it's kind of i i have to i have to make the loop complete his first one of his first jobs was he did the engineering on allison chain's dirt since we were just talking about dirt <laughs> nice all comes back to dirt yeah and uh one of the other things that you'll you'll love is that he is the producer for you want to guess fishbone the greatest band of all time death <laughs> clock oh nice I did not know that actually. I also didn't yeah. know that he engineered. I also didn't know that he engineered Science by Incubus. Yeah, because this mean, is just like I'm looking. I'm looking at his list of produced albums in the '90s. It's like all of my favorite albums from the '90s. Yeah, the Great Southern Trend Kill by Pantera. Yeah. I know that's one of your favorites. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like me and Phil <laughs> and Selma are like. Yeah. He's he's actually right here. We're gonna hug later. Um, but no, Save Yourself is by far their best song. The, I mean, it's probably the most commercially viable song, and that might be why people think this is the the more popular album, is because I think that was their most popular song. I mean, you know, they probably played this song on the point at least four times already today, right? <laughs> Still, like, I know that's the crazy thing. Still, when are they going to start calling themselves St. Louis's old rock alternative? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, they're like they the need new to do that. Like sometimes they are the new KC, pretty much. Yeah, and I'm I fine mean, with that. Like I, I like that they play those songs. Like I do. I, I enjoy that. But like, stop acting like you guys are like you know free tip. Anybody from the points listening to this, I know you're not. But if you are, free tip. 
rebrand you need to double down on dudes like us you need to have like very very retro point fests you know you guys need to get uh fragile porcelain mice you know back oh dude and, and you know put them on I, i'm fucking there the just for fpm man right right now right fucking now gravity kills <laughs> the weird, the that's last we time i talk about is gravity kills yeah the last time i saw gravity kills was the first time i saw gravity kills and it was at one of the point fests. I, I don't know which one. And, I, you know, I think they only had was an EP out. They didn't have a full album yet. And they played Guilty like four times in a row to end the set. <laughs> <laughs> I shit you not. It was That's tough. funny. And it was, you know, they played it like they're trying to leave the stage because they actually shut down the, you know, they closed the show because they were like the St. Louis local. And it was a big thing because it was them and the urge that closed the show. And it's always, uh, it's always the urge, just the. The urge is the one that turns the lights out every night. Yeah. No, but it was Gravity Kills this time. Except for that time and that Bush wanted to be the last one. I didn't see that one. And it was, but it was hilarious though, because they keep, they kept trying to leave. And then the crowd would be, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You know, just in. So they'd start playing it again. And then the crowd would go ape shit again. But anyway, it, it, this is an amazing album. It, I, I, definitely want to give it its due i don't have it in my top 10 but probably my top 25 for industrial this is a fantastic album and this is another one of those that's about as good as it gets when it comes to that whole you know melding of the industrial with the you know the dirtiness of grunge uh it has all of that together and it just it represents the time of the mid to late 90s so well and uh, if you really want to, you know, if you want to go back in time, you know, for the younger folk and want to know how we felt as teenagers, I think Darkest Days is a fantastic way to get there. You wonder why your parents are so fucking depressed? This is the reason why is this this album right here. Because the dude from Stabbing Westward went through a really bad breakup and then he, he made this album. Um, that's All the lyrics are based on a breakup, like the different stages of a breakup. And yeah, it's I mean, not it's so strange whenever I say it, but like listen to the album, like you're, you're going to feel it. Yeah, it's genuinely a concept album about breakup. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. If you want to be messed up, listen to the lyrics holy shit this dude was in a dark dark place hence the name darkest days this is also that weird time in 1998 because that's when the record came out where the radio was making a transition moving away from the euro pop influenced alternative the grunge the new metal was starting but stabbing westward is still putting out their version of your favorite nine inch nails record so it was a good time to have this dark music still finding its way into the mainstream. How are they going to follow this one? Oh, they don't. Uh, <laughs> they, they at all, but we'll get there. I, I just want to throw out the song uh, Haunting Me. I think it's actually the best song on this album. And it's not just because I heard it on the, in that shitty movie, The Faculty, way back in the day. I mean, it's I a did. great <laughs> fucking movie. I did hear it on that movie, but... <laughs> Uh, haunting me was 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 amazing um the points probably played it a couple of times today as well um it is one of those like i don't know it, it's such a perfect cocktail of everything that was going on in music in 98 i mean honestly i'm surprised there's not like some rap thrown down on it <laughs> you know in places i don't know how they would have been able to make that fit but i'm sure uh they made everything else fit so maybe that maybe that is what would have given them the new metal tag <laughs> at that point yeah you know, you know what the interesting thing is i was i was just now going through some of the old reviews this thing got shit on by the critics like hardcore clearly they were wrong because this got played all the time well yeah but i mean the pale is the thing you know what i mean you can get played you know as pay, much pay as, to play i know i know yeah, but i was just like, i was shocked because normally this kind of stuff you know because it's not grunge it's not pop you know it's something else it normally gets good reviews and i'm surprised i guess it's because they're probably you know what they're probably doing it's the same thing they that i know they used to do all the time with like god lives underwater and skinny puppy and they'd say well it's not nine inch nails so obviously it's not good enough i don't think that's what it is uh i'm gonna do what joe always does with with production uh on this that part of the show uh as a music reviewer myself and you know you guys as well in 1998, if you're like writing for like Pitchfork or something, you know, like a Rolling Stone or are like all of these like bigger like publications about music, 
the music reviewers were trying to be celebrities themselves. They were like professional shit talkers. <laughs> you know, I mean, people call us that all the time. You know, like I get it, but like, if I don't get paid to do this, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. You know, just hit us up. You know, Dan Joe Show at gmail.com. You don't have to send us anything, you just send us money. Uh, but, I like money. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. But back then, these guys were all trying to like in the in the early two in the late nineties, early two thousands. You read some of the most asinine album reviews in publications. Like there were times I would read, and I'm not saying that that's what happened in this case, but like uh, I would I remember reading reviews that would use such big words that I would have no idea what they were even describing because like you're describing music, right? And it's at a time where, like, you're the ultimate gatekeeper because the only way anybody's going to hear this is if they hear an, a single on the radio or if they just go to the record store and drop the money to buy it, right? You know what happened? You know what happened? 30 seconds in a listening station. You know what happened besides them being elitist? Being an elitist and the fact that the internet is a thing now. Not the right. internet! We can go on Lycos and Dogpile. And we can look up, because this is before Google, we can look up what words mean, and we can look up their synonyms and their antonyms. Well, yeah, and you started started (laughs) figuring out pretty quickly, though, that, like, these people didn't, like, they're just trying to be, like, extreme, like, extreme reviewers to generate a reaction, like the original trolls. I'm not saying every reviewer was like that, but, I mean, there were, and movie reviewers were especially bad at this time with that same sort of stuff. You know, it's kind of funny. You were talking about Pitchfork and Rolling Stones. Uh, just at my grease brief glances, those were two of the worst reviews that were given <laughs> on this album. I know. And Sputnik, who's the one that I used to follow a lot as a kid. Well, not as a kid, but as a teenager in early 20s, gave it the best review. So I guess that should tell you who, who actually well, yeah, let me, uh, gave let's, a shit about their music. Joe, can I can I pull a roach coach real quick? Can I Can I read a segment from the Pitchfork review? Oh God! I'll I don't even want to know it. I don't know if I want to know. The question is: Will Lauren Kislowski allow it? Oh yeah, he's fine. He's he he's my bud. He's good. Dan, how did you not murder this man? Yeah, I guess that's fine. We're having <laughs> secret tricks. Come back later. Uh, he goes. Let's be honest. About five years ago, this was written by uh, Jason. Wi- no, I'm sorry, it's James P. Wisdom. My bad. Uh huh. He says, let's be honest, about five years ago, a guy named Trent took things up a bit in the alternative, in quotation, scene uh, with a certain record called Pretty Hate Machine. Uh, People were shocked, amazed, and enticed by his strange and frightening combination of electro-industrial beats and pure narcissistic pain. Soon enough, bands who'd been working hard for a long time and sometimes a short time were afforded the opportunity to sign with the big labels and the frantic cash in on the industrial craze. The two examples that jump out to me are Stabbing Westward, Brace yourself, Jeff. And God lives underwater. Oh, shit. Fuck <laughs> this bastard. <laughs> Though there are surely numerous others. I can't blame them for signing when opportunity knocks. Open the door, baby. Nowadays, Trent has become almost pure symbol, developing perhaps the least prolific perfor- portfolio of recorded music to be matched with someone subject to such adulation. So he's basically saying Nine Inch Nails sucks. Uh, the void that his fr- infrequent re- releases leave have been appropriately filled with the likes of our boys stabbing westward. From their debut release Ungod to their third darkest days, they've striven to give us the industrial thirsty, a refreshing drink of what we love. Seth, self-loathing set to appropriate music. No, they don't take the risk the tent r- that Trent Reznor does. No, they don't push boundaries or infuse the genre with new life. I got to stop now because they're basically just saying what, what, what we've been saying. Uh, <laughs> but, but I don't know. It, it, it's weird to me that this entire review is about Trent Reznor, <laughs> you know, really, and not as much about uh, stabbing westward. Sorry, I almost said God lives underwater. Um, <laughs> but it's like that Asshole. sort of the, the, it's that negative slant. That, that he came in hot with it. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily think that this review is wrong because like we do it. There's times, dude, we've, we've torn people's favorite albums to shreds before, you know, and I get a lot of messages from people all the time that are like, yeah, man, um, you need to give this band more respect. They deserve more respect. You should respect them. But I do feel that, you know, back to my original point, which Joe's like, oh, good. That's a good segue for me to just to cut all the last 10 minutes totally out. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the the original point, though, is that like reviewers were just absolutely just negative slanted against bands. 
and almost in a way of like them like trying to be celebrities themselves is, is kind of the the thing that I get. And I and I can I can promise you that if you want to be a celebrity, you're never gonna be a celebrity by number one by interviewing famous people or by writing uh, about their albums on on the internet. So self fulfilling prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. We should probably move on. Two thousand and one, stabbing westward. Well, they finally pierced the veil of shit. They stabbed too far west. They threw out the industrial and tried to go full alt-rock. Oh, it's straight up pop rock. Six years too late? Yeah, no, Filter was pure alt-rock. This is this pop is, rock. Yeah. Um, you, you know, the one thing that they said that... Um, I always forget the lead singer's name. Shit. Chris, right? Chris Hall? Yeah, Chris Hall. Not to be confused with Eric Hall. Yeah. I haven't seen Eric in forever. Shoot the shred. Yep. Anyway, Chris said when this came out, and this is when you knew the the shit was so bad that it just like completely trashed the fan. It, it couldn't even hit it. It just trashed it, obliterated it. Because this is a, the, what he says about this is exactly what we heard about one of Dan and I's favorite bands, In Flames. You know, all, we always had this really good stuff underneath, and we just putting all this heavy stuff on top. There's actually some really good stuff that's hiding there, and we want to show it to everybody because we're, you know, we're really good. Don't show it, Anders. Keep your evil in your closet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but that's seriously what Chris said. I mean, I, obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but that's Chris Hall said. You know that hey, you know, we actually write really good pop music. We just end up dirtying it up so much that you can't tell. And then what we discovered is is that we like that dirty more than we like that pop that's really what it came down to because this is an awful awful album i mean does it showcase the fact that chris can sing yes i mean chris can sing he's always been able to sing he's a couple of octaves higher than he normally is <laughs> through yeah. this whole thing yeah he's I not mean, whining dude, but oof, no but he's not far off he's not far off but yeah he's you know he wanted this to be a vehicle to show his his pipes he thought that this is his way to you know you know grunge and industrial was going away and this was his way of making it to the mainstream i guess i don't know all i know is that it was a miserable failure and that it was awful as a standalone record it's not that bad but it is not I disagree stabbing westward it sounds like everybody quit and the lead singer is trying to kick off a solo career i'm having flashbacks to when scott stapp put out oh. his solo record and it sounded exactly like creed did Jeff just throw up? <laughs> I, think I, I, think just, I think he just threw up all over his keyboard. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, we need a so, yeah, I, I will say this. He thought that he was Christian Alvestum from Scar Symmetry, and he could have his cake and eat it, too. He, he did not think that in 2001, Jeff. Come on. He thought that he was thinking the same lines. The only difference is that he wasn't good enough to pull it off. That's what I'm trying to say. Is Christian can sing pop music like nobody's business because the dude is just a freak of nature. Chris is just a good vocalist. There's a big difference between the two there. I, I just I just think it's trash. I'm sorry. It's not good. Even if I didn't know this was, you know, stabbing westward, I would still think it sucks balls. Simple as that. I mean, I have to agree with Jeff. I don't like doing it. It makes me feel icky. Dirty. Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> It makes me look like the girl in this album cover. Um, but I think that I think the weirdest thing about this record is how anybody would have thought that like in 2001, that like this was the way to go. And I know that I know the dude was like, no, we've always wrote great pop songs, but we ended up making them ugly and adding effects, screaming, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all that. Like, I, I get it. I, I understand the artistic drive to want to do what you want to do, which nobody's stopping you. I mean, you could you could put out a solo album. And let it do however it wants to do. You don't have to call it stabbing westward, <laughs> you know. And I think that that's that's really the biggest crime that was committed here is that you had a band that was more or less on an upward momentum, and then at some point, I guess they just get tired of being told what to do, which again is relatable. But then you have bands that you know get tired of the label system, they get tired of dealing with fan expectations, and they react in a way that is very different, polarizing to their fan base. Or then you have bands like Project 86 that you know cut all ties with the label and go aggressive again, right? You know what I mean? You've got like you've got that weird, you know, not obviously two bands that are not on the same level, but like what I'm saying is like if you don't care about fan expectations at this point in your career, what do you care about? 
uh, making your own band called The Dreaming after this because that's what you decided to do. Right. And that's and exactly that's, what Chris that's what Chris did. And why isn't this just the first album by that band? It should have been. You know, and I think I think, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna side a little bit with Joe here. It's absolutely not the worst trash I've ever heard in my life. If taken on its own with no expectation, it's not something that I'm gonna listen to. You know, because I think it's it's very cheesy. It's very like you know, it's the the kind of songs that you like burn to a CD and give to a girl that you like. You know what I mean? It's just not. um, Even then, I don't know if I would pick anything off this album for that. Um, You just go Deftones, be quiet and drive. That's a good one. Uh, for the girl don't don't show them the other don't show her the other deftone songs just just this one uh but yeah this album is just very um it's an obvious attempt at going going more pop than they already were i mean they already had commercial appeal doing you know the heavier darker thing and i also understand that like everybody's not gonna always be angry and dark and depressing and that maybe you do feel like you're performing an act like i understand the psychology behind this move but unfortunately it's a move that too, far too many people make and it just doesn't cut it unfortunately well, I, the strength of this band has never been the songwriting alone yeah well the one thing i will say one of the big reasons why i think this sucks balls as compared to so other stuff when you when you suck and you suck so bad you're almost a train wreck that you can't look away from i i actually prefer that to this because then it at least has that I don't know the uh, the sideshow factor, just that that morbid curiosity. But whenever you're this like goody goody gumdrops bullshit pop, you know, that's all I'm gonna say. I mean, I I feel like I'm Cartman here. I mean, it, it, I just I I've, I can't stand this type of music in particular. This is like what I hate about pop rock. It's what I hate about radio. Uh, you know, it's what I hate about crossover, you know, pop country and stuff like that, too. All of that shit should just be flushed down the toilet, in my opinion. And, and this with it, it's just awful. It, it's pure, putrid trash. Speaking of which, though, they do have a new. Okay, then. They have a new album that's going to be coming out next year. I don't know if you guys knew about that or not. So which Stabbing Westward are we going to get with that record, Jeff? Is it going to be this one? Or is it going to be Darkest Days? I don't know. I don't know if, if this is going to end up being me wanting to take a shit and flush it down the toilet or me taking a shit and rubbing it all over my chest and thinking like I'm the coolest punk rocker ever. Well, if the singles that have come out since, you know, in 2021, um, the song I Am Nothing sounds more like classic. Uh, standing yes, it does. Word. And um, they had another EP that came out in 2020. Uh that's also got almost a little bit more new weight, like sounds a little bit more like ungod, which again, after what we just experienced, like I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Like it sounds like stabbing westward at least. So uh, I think there's definitely that itch there to, to kind of get back into that. Uh, and only, uh, only time will tell, you know, when that record drops, we'll be on Patreon talking about it. So look, out and for I got that. one, one last thing. If people are wondering what the heck I'm talking about with like rubbing poo poo on my chest, Dude, come on. Gigi Allen. Nobody needed clarification, Jeff. <laughs> Some of the young youngsters might. Dude, if you want to see. That's not shocking, dude. I watched a video on YouTube of the singer of a band pee on a man's face uh, just like the other day. So I'm hey, really not see- sure I'm going to leave this in the show. That happened. Hey, did- <laughs> that, you, you, <laughs> no, it did legitimately that. happen. And then he ended up doing like a triple H, like, you know how he takes a sip of water and spews it up in the air? Oh, he did this with this lead singer's pee. Yeah, that's definitely getting getting cut out. It uh, so bad. Final thoughts on Stabbing Westward. Jeff. Just like I said earlier, uh, there is some tasty meat in this shit sandwich. The, just throw the bread away, man. Seriously, throw the bread right away. There's only two good albums. Pay attention to them because they're really, really good. Wither, Blister, Burn and Peel and Darkest Days should be on everybody's rotation at some point. Those are seminal releases of the mid 90s. You have to listen. You have to. They are amazing. Ungod and the self-titled just flush it down the toilet. Everything else is just is just it's gold, though. Damn. What about you? I think Stabbing Westward is an important band. I don't think that they're the most original band out there in the world. I don't think that they are better than Nine Inch Nails. I don't think that they're better than their contemporaries were, but they do have it. It just goes to show how good and vibrant 
that scene was in the 90s that even a band that might have been mediocre compared to some of their peers was still able to put out two really really incredible records uh during that that, that, that do have their own individuality um like i said i knew a lot of people whose favorite band were what, what, whose favorite band was stabbing westward i find it hard to believe now looking <laughs> kind of looking back on it uh, i don't necessarily know if they're like favorite band material but i could be wrong and in saying that i'm sure our uh, all the fans will come out and let me know that they are there. I really enjoy listening to this band. This early to mid-90s post-new wave industrial rock with the really dark vibe. I enjoy it. And I think Stabbing Westward is one of the definitive bands in that style. It's mainstream industrial, especially in the United States at that time. So there's a piece of it that reminds me of listening to the radio in the 90s takes me back to that vibe when it all kind of blended together and we enjoyed it. Nowadays, I don't know if Stabbing Westward is going to make a huge return that breaks the popular music scene open again, but I really hope it's not more of the last record and based on what we're seeing and what we're hearing, that's not going to be the case. So if you're interested in what popular industrial music sounds like and you want an example other than filter and nine inch nails you cannot go wrong with stabbing westward so listen to this band you'll enjoy it damn what's your album of the week my album of the week is a beautiful relaxing melodic ditty that goes by the name of order Order of the shadow act one by cyclone nine oh nice nice okay yes Dude, you guys know I hate it when an album says like part one or act one. I'm like, oh, God, come on. Get over it. I don't want to hear about your slaying dragons and betting maidens and all of that. <laughs> uh, but this is totally different than that. This is cool. Check it out. Yeah, it's actually an awesome, awesome album by a great band. Jeff, what about you? Well, I went the other direction time wise. I went way back in time to power, corruption and lies by one of my all-time favorite bands, New Order. Hard to believe in two years that album will be 40 years old. But do you know why you guys love it so much? Why is that, Jeff? Because you guys like Orgy and Blue Monday. Did you listen to the Orgy episode? I'm speaking collectively because the time of year, Orgy's kind of an industrialish kind of vibe, but Power, Corruption, and Lies has the original Blue Monday on it, and it is a fantastic, fantastic album. Strongly recommended. Age of Consent is still probably the best song on that album, though. For me, it's Mammoth, Wolfgang, Van Halen, because I don't need to explain myself. It's one of the records of the year. Go and listen to it. You're welcome. Well, you see, that's how you can tell I'm old. Back in my days, son, this is what I used to listen to. Jeff, get out of my house. <laughs> Good thing I'm already home this time take us out dft if you guys like this podcast and you'd like to contribute to it in any way shape or form via telling us what bands you want us to talk about telling us what bands we were wrong about which bands we were dead correct about uh there's a lot of different ways you can do that you can reach out to us on facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion you can follow us on twitter at discuss metal and also on instagram at discuss metal you can find us on youtube at discuss metal dan and, uh, you know, you can always send us an email at show at gmail.com. If you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, you can do that. If you go to the link in the show notes, it'll take you to our Teespring store where you can buy T-shirts, cell phone cases, some comfy socks, and most importantly for how cold it is outside, get yourself a hoodie because that thing is warm and comfortable and it fits me just so right. Yes, I wear my own hoodie whenever I'm out and about in public. And I want you to wear my hoodie also. You can also hang out with us on our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you to the wonderful world of Discord, where we are hanging out and sharing memes and talking about bands all the time. So until next time, thank you guys so much. Happy Industrial December. And on that note, this has been episode 250 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. 
if you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me money. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 